Welcome back to Round Guy Radio, and we got Iowa Heartlanders Weekly with the voice of the Iowa Heartlanders, David Fine. Welcome to the program, David. Thanks for having me on, Dave. I really appreciate it. Well, we haven't talked in a couple weeks. Uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, uh, well, let's, let's start with the win. We got a win uh, Sunday. How about that? I'm excited to report that the Heartlanders have gotten their first win, and Dave, honestly, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, it, it can wear on you when it's taken a little bit longer than you desired to have um, it get put out of the way. And you want to get in the win column. And I'm happy to say that the Heartlanders, you know, you start out 0-6 as Iowa did, and you want to get the one win out of the way, not because it's, you know, if you win one game, you're going to win you win the next 30, but you know, you get that one win out of the way, it builds some confidence and it's a process this year for the team. And I think off the top, everyone expected that the Heartlanders would not start one and six, but getting this one win out of the way is critical because it's still such a long season. I mean, there's still 65 games left. And if you go over 500 in those 65 games, you're going to be playing important hockey down the stretch. So being able to get the one win out of the way, do it in such an impressive fashion, and now be able to build from there, I think is going to mean a lot for the team. And you won in such spectacular fashion. You know, that was, uh, <coughs> yeah. That, that's the way uh, the people in Iowa like to see things, you know, a good old uh, ass whooping. <laughs> yeah, the Heartlanders really, really did a nice job on Sunday. Again, it was a 7-2 to two final. Three Heartlanders players scored their first professional goals. Cole Stollard had a hat, uh, Cole Stollard had a hat trick. And then Matt Boucher had his third of the season. So it was honestly one of those games where I don't think you could look at anybody and say, oh, you know, maybe maybe do a little bit better. Like, no, it wasn't one of those things at all. It was a very definitive victory from Iowa, which is a, an awesome, awesome thing um, for the Heartlanders. And, I, 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 you know, I think that from my perspective, Dave, um, one of the things that I was thinking on the air was, like, man, like if you if you had placed one or two of these goals, um, you know, at different parts of different games, you know, maybe the Heartlanders would have, would have snuck out a win or something like that. But, but regardless, it was a game where everything went right for the Heartlanders, it seemed like. Um, got some breaks here and there and also made their own breaks, which is how you're going to play winning hockey for the Iowa Heartlanders this year. Well, I have seen some strange things thrown onto the ice. I, I knew a guy that was from Michigan, and he was always bringing octopus in and throwing it on the ice. But then they told him he couldn't do that anymore, so him and his buddies got an octopus, cut it into pieces, snuck it in, sewed it back together again, and then throwed it out on the ice. But <laughs> but they got but you guys had a pair of antlers thrown out on the ice after the hat trick. That might be a Guinness World Record. Yeah, I don't. I don't think it's ever happened before where someone's thrown their antlers out on the ice. But no, I saw that picture uh, that Mark posted. I, I missed it happening when it happened because uh, where Mark sits is the opposite is on the sort of the opposite corner from where I am. And I think that um, you know that that was awesome. Like, good for Mark, man. Like, that's what it, that's what it's about. And I know he has plenty of other pairs of antlers, and they don't cost too too much in the team store. So if he wants to go get another pair of antlers or design his own on. Um, one of his other hats, then we're we're good to go. But no, it was great to see, and that's and that's one of the things we talk about here is how do we get people not only to embrace us but embrace their fandom. And when you see someone you know do something like that, I think it's awesome. Like it's good for the Heartlanders, and it gets recognized and and promoted, and 
that's you know what it's all about. Well, Mark says he has some connections with the staff because they picked it up and brought it back to him. <laughs> that's great. That's great. He's got some ties. So you get a uh, uh, does does a, a, a hat trick uh, trigger any kind of uh, like discounts? I know at the Iowa Wild you can buy a hat for half price after a hat trick. You know, that's a really good thought. I don't think we have anything, but hearing that, we might have to uh, start start considering our options a little bit. Well, more. if it happens, I'm going to take credit for it. <laughs> you get you get an extra half off. It's 25 percent for you if we do something like that. <laughs> that's right. Anyway, uh, so let, let's go over uh, some of all this scoring, and then we're going to talk about Corbin Kaspersky being back in the net. Yeah, that sounds good. Where do you want to start? You pick scoring. Okay, so on the scoring side for the Heartlanders, Cole Stollard again at his first uh, ECHL hat trick in the team's last game. Really happy for Cole. Uh, he had not scored in the team's first six games, but he comes out and, and scores three right away for Iowa. Uh, Nick Campoli, who's a, a good rookie out of Clarkson University, he's, he's still – what I like about Nick is that every game he's gotten just a – it's like every game's like a step up, like – okay, this is the pro game. This is how I've assessed it. This is my place in it. It seems like he's kind of like step by step by step. So he scored his first pro goal. Mike Pastajov scored his first pro goal. And he has three points in the team's first two games. And those are the first two games of his career. Um, I, I, Iowa made a future considerations trade for him, which means that normally, you know, there's conditions that might send a player to the Idaho Steelheads in this case, because Iowa acquired Mike from Idaho. Um, and actually, I'm wrong. There was another – I should actually correct myself. He's got four points in the team's first two games because um, he had a secondary assist that uh, was added on the Nick Campoli goal. So he's got four points in his first two pro games, and it's like if he's going to be this kind of a player all season, I mean, my God, my goodness, the Heartlanders may, may – you know, you have a steal if you, if you get a player that's averaging that many points per game, um, you know, right off the top. And I'm sure at some point, you know – it, it, it's unfeasible to think a player is going to play 70 games and, and average two points a game unless their name is Wayne Gretzky. But I mean, he's been really impressive. He's fast. Um, he makes quick decisions, which is different than being just fast. Like he's quick and he also makes quick decisions and he kind of understands what his, like what he, what he does well. Um, coaches were talking about that, that he knows kind of what his limitations are, but because he's so fast and he's got a pretty good shot and he's timely, and he makes quick decisions. He's a force. And then um, thirdly, Alec Bretzman scored his first pro goal. I like Alec's, uh, Alec's game. It's Alec, but Alex's game. Um, because Alec, A-L-E-C. I like his game a lot. He's physical, um, but he's not. it's not like he's going to go and you know, throw a, a, a massive open ice hit that could make him penalized. Like, no, like he's good in the corners. Um, he kind of has that timely sense of where the play is going. And I think that that's going to be a, be a really big part for him because he's so good defensively as a forward. So he understands that and helps save goals by doing that. But then also because of, of that skill set, he who has a pretty good shot and he's, you know, can play f uh, sort of this physical grinding role and not get shoved around. He, he had, you know, a, a case in point, he, missed the Heartlanders game on Friday, but then he comes back on Sunday um, after missing the game on Friday, after he's a little bit banged up and he, you know, takes his recovery seriously and wanted to make sure after getting hit in the ribs with the puck that he was okay. And then he comes back in and he plays that grinding role. He's not afraid to get in the corners, even though, you know, he still might be a little bit banged up. So 
that's kind of a that's kind of a summary of the the goal scorers from the Heartlanders game against Fort Wayne. Again, a seven to two final. Well, uh, I want to talk about that getting your first goal, getting your feet underneath you. I remember a story I heard from Leo DeRocher, who went into the <laughs> locker room uh, after he called up Willie Mays and he played like a week. He hadn't had any hits, and he was in the the locker room crying. You know, Willie was like, I don't think I can play in this league. I know you're going to send me down. Leo puts his arm around him. He says, son, as long as I'm the manager, you're going to be a starting center fielder and the leadoff guy on this team. That next game, he got a hit, and then it seemed like it worked out pretty well for Willie Mays. I would say, and the other thing I would say about Willie Mays is that, like you said, he had started, I think it was 0 for 21 or 0 for 22 or he had just this terrible stretch of luck. And, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, luck is, is a factor here, but I think one of the things that, that I think about, um, uh, Dave, is that I, I could point to like 10 different moments in the team's first six games where I felt like something kind of went, I'm not talking like penalties. Like I'm just talking about flow of game where, the puck hits the post on one end and then the team comes the opposite team, you know, the Heartlanders opponent comes down and scores on the other. And those are the kind of things that really shift games. Um, In the first period against Indy, I felt like Iowa was about to get a break because Indy hit two posts in the first like five minutes of the game. And I was like, man, if Iowa can just score the first goal here, they've hit two posts. We've scored on it. We scored and we're good. And then what happened is it wasn't like the exact opposite, but what ended up happening was Indy then scored two goals in the first period and they were up three, nothing. And all of a sudden you forget about those two posts, but I, I I've seen a few moments this year. And I think the coaches, if you, you know, if you're sitting around having a beer with them and there you talk about maybe getting just a little bit unlucky at points, those are the kind of things where a team hits two posts, but then Iowa was denied on a breakaway a few minutes later against Indy. Like if you score on that breakaway, you make your own luck there. All of a sudden, you're up one nothing. They've hit two posts. Who knows how the rest of the game goes? Similarly, when the team played Cincinnati, which was Iowa's second road game and fourth game overall, Iowa was up two nothing, almost like stunning the Cyclones. They couldn't do anything right. Then, since he scored a good goal, they had like a power play goal at the left post. It was a nice rebound, and they they bagged it. And then in the third period, Iowa had Cole Stallard come out of the box for a breakaway, and he basically tried the exact same move that uh, he, he ended up scoring on on in the game on, on uh, Sunday here. But against Cincy, the goalie made the save, and literally it would have been 3-1 Heartlanders. Instead, it was still 2-1, and no less than 10 to 20 seconds later, Cincinnati came down, entered the zone, and scored and tied the game, and then they ended up winning. Those are the kind of things that you know a, a statistician or an analytics person could look at and not be able to quantify. It's just one of those breaks of the game. I felt like in the first six games, there were a lot of moments where Iowa had some breaks go against them. And hopefully now over the next few weeks, the Heartlanders can continue progressing in the right direction and get a few more wins. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Corbin Kaspersky. I seen that he was uh, uh, injured or, or uh, wasn't a hundred percent at the beginning of the year, but you were, he was able to get healthy and get in between the pipes uh, Sunday. Yeah, Corbin was hurt the first couple weeks of training camp and then put on IR for the first couple weeks of the season. He returned the Monday before his win on Sunday, so six days before he won, uh, like a, almost like two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, uh, a week and a half ago at this point. And he did exactly what he would picked up where he left off. I mean, he looked great. Um, and Corbin has a way about him, like not only do the guys love him, but 
He's also extremely, what's the right way to say it? He's extremely, um, uh, like, like he, he has a way of making saves at times where you're like, wow, that's think of you. And you think about it in terms of the context of the game. And you're like, that was an important save at that moment. I don't know if timely is the right word, but maybe it's just, he's, he's good. Like that's, that's what he's a good player does. And, right. and, you know, he, at this level, he, you know, I, I'd be honest, Dave, like, I was, I'm thinking like, guys, you know, a little banged up. He hasn't played since last April in a professional game. Um, you know, what is he going to be maybe a little bit rusty, but he came in in the first five to 10 minutes. Um, he, uh, he, he came in and made a few spectacular important saves to keep the Heartlanders afloat. Uh, he did give up a goal two minutes in, but he couldn't do anything. It was basically a two on O down low, but then he recovered. And then he makes 21 of the next 23 shots. He makes 21 saves on the next 23 shots he faces. So good on Corbin. Happy to have him healthy and performing. Yeah, uh, you know he's. I think he's the leader, uh, the win leader of goalies, isn't he? For the franchise. Yeah, well, he's got eleven for the franchise. Yep, he's got eleven wins in his Heartlanders career. Last year, of course, you know, in the ECHL, you have so many goalies that you cycle through. Sometimes Iowa had five goalies start for them last year. So he's winning. He's leading the uh, leading the Heartlanders in wins this year with one, and he's got eleven for his career. So. Uh... Let's talk about the the other goalies. I know we had to release one of them. Uh, we had uh, uh, Hunter was called up. We were short goalies. We signed some guy without much experience. But I'm going to have to say it was the goalie play that that uh, uh, kept us uh, out of the win column for the the first and the defense itself before in front of the goalies. Yeah, I think more defense. Like I, I'm thinking back to against Cincinnati. Connor O'Brien was fantastic in the first two periods, and then Cincinnati basically had three, no doubt about it, goals in a four-minute span. They scored four goals in four minutes, and three of the four were just like Connor O'Brien need a lot more help. Bailey Birkin was fantastic in the two games he started for Iowa, which was the first road game of the year at Kalamazoo, and then against Wheeling, he allowed seven goals in the two games. So, kind of put the team in a in a chance to win. And then um, Hunter Jones has been really good this year. It's just that defensively there was some jam that was missing that, you know, it's impossible if there's basically three break, you know, if you have three or four goals where you give up and it's like you, you immediately look and be like the goalie just needed more help. It's hard to win those games. So many of these games are decided by, you know, one goal in the hockey world. Of course, the Heartlanders have not played a one goal game yet, but, you know, there's things that happen in games that, that make it and decide it, whether it's going to be a one goal game or, you know, if the goalie can, you know, stay in the game and, you know, make a few saves just because of help in front of the net. And I think defensively, the Heartlanders, that's been the that's been the thing all year. As same for Fort Wayne, who the Heartlanders beat. Fort Wayne has the worst defense in the league and the Heartlanders are in the bottom third of the league still. But I think, you know, you fine tune some things defensively. And it's not blaming the defensemen. It's just, you know, the all around, you know, the forwards, the D, yada, yada, yada. If you can tighten a few things up and get closer to allowing three goals a game instead of four goals a game, now if you score two or three goals, you're getting at least a point or getting to overtime or winning a few of those. So I'm looking more at, you know, just defensively. And Heartlanders have some young defensemen, young forwards, and hopefully it starts to gel here when Iowa plays two games this weekend. Well, uh, I thought I I heard uh, an interview with Coach Damon where uh, he was trying to, he was, he was kind of, uh, focusing on the defense and, and trying to to improve the defense. And he made a bunch of trades, and maybe we should go over some of those transactions that maybe did improve the defense. 
I was going to say, where do you want to start? Because there's been a lot. Um, I looked, Dave, and so Iowa plays um, uh, Kansas City this weekend, and uh, Kansas City's made tw- seven transactions the entire year. Seven. Where guys get called up, you sign a new guy, seven transactions. The Heartlanders, in terms of a player leaving the team or coming into the team, they've had 22 of those already. And already? I'm thinking to myself, like, That's even more than 22s. It, it's it's about the same as it was in the first two months of last year. But and, last year was COVID, you know, and, I, and they had these taxi teams, and you know, I mean, it was a uh, it was a uh, uh, a lot of a lot earlier. We and then we finally got Bennett, and then we kind of went on a big run. Well, actually, yeah, we're kind of improving right now. So, so Wheeling's had one transaction. One, they signed one guy, a guy by the name of Jack Van Bogel, to a amateur tryout contract or to a, sorry, to an ECHL contract. That's the only transaction Wheeling has had the entire year. I always had 21 more I'm trying to see who else Cincinnati Cincinnati's had some more call-ups. Let's see. Cyclones have had five the entire year, five transactions the entire year, Dave, five, five. Heartlanders have been 22. You're averaging this is, three it, transactions it, it, a game, I think, or even more than that. Four transactions. Yeah, you're at, well, yeah, you're, you're averaging more than one a day up until basically today, which, because, it's been about 22 days since the season started at this point. So I was averaging one a game. And at this point, a few days ago was they were averaging like almost two a game um, just based on all the stuff that happened. But okay, I'll get into the trades. Iowa brought in Tyler Bush from uh, Fort Wayne for future considerations. And against Fort Wayne, he had three assists against his former team. Um, The Heartlanders acquired as well. Mike Pastajov, he comes in, he has four points in his first two Heartlanders games. Iowa acquired Kevin McKernan, who's yet to play. He's on the ice for the first time with his teammates today. Um, McKernan's going to be the most experienced defenseman on the Heartlanders. He has more than 200 games played professionally. Iowa acquired him from Greenville for future considerations. And then I'm trying to see what else. Um, Those are the three trades the Heartlanders have had. So far, oh, and Iowa traded Jake Smith to Norfolk for future considerations. So those are the four trades the team has had so far. Yeah, recently. So do you think? Do you feel like the team is better because of these trades? At least the defense is a little better. Well, yeah, and I think too, like Tyler Bush, a really experienced guy up the middle, wins a lot of faceoffs. Mike Pastajov's shown that he can be a skilled guy in this league, and he plays good defense. And then Kevin McKernan's, um, you know, he's he, he's a like the, when he's at his best, he's a mistake-free defenseman. He does not make egregious mistakes. He's a good thinker of the game. So you do that, and you sort of bolster the forward unit a little bit as well. I think you know you're giving up future considerations for these guys, which means at some point you'll have to pay up and you know potentially send a player another way. But Derek's not looking at it in that regard because. Or he is, but he's also looking at it from the standpoint of, like, you make these trades, and if you improve the team right now and can give it a little extra pop, and you have all these guys called up to the American Hockey League, then you're hoping that at that at some point of the year, you're going to get these guys back, and you're going to be able to perform with, with uh, those guys, the guys on AHL deals back. Um, a lot of the transactions have been necessitated by the fact that Iowa only has a couple players on the roster on AHL and NHL contracts, which left the Heartlanders in a little bit of a bind where they needed to bring in some bodies because of injuries and, you know, transactions and such. So I think it kind of goes, it, it goes both ways, but um, I think Derek's very pleased with how the team is right now. Has the Iowa taken some of our better players or, or uh, uh, have they sent us back? Seems like they sent somebody back to us recently. 
Well, uh, Mike, uh, not Mike Murphy, sorry, beg your pardon. Matt Murphy was sent back to the Heartlanders on an AHL deal. Reese Mullick got called up on a professional tryout to AHL Rochester, the Amherst in the, uh, in the, in the American Hockey League. Um, and then other guys that are up include uh, Patrick Curry, Mitch Balmas, and Kevin Conley. There's a lot of uh, injured forwards up with Minnesota and the Iowa Wild right now. So those are the guys that have been called up. Okay, so yeah, that and, and so uh, when is the next game? Yes, Iowa plays Friday and Saturday at Wichita. Or, I'm sorry, Friday at Kansas City and Saturday at Wichita. This upcoming Friday, the Heartlanders take on Kansas City at 7.05, and then they go about three, four hours south to Wichita and play the old Wichita Thunder in Wichita, Kansas, also about a 7 o'clock puck drop. I think they drop it at 7.05 as well there. And then the, the Heartlanders have a week off. They don't play at home for another 12 days. They play Friday, Saturday against um, Kansas City and Wichita, and then they have a full week off, and they play Sunday, November 20th against um Kalamazoo, so it's kind of a lighter schedule here over the next few weeks. Well, they, uh, uh, they, it did not take long for Iowa and Kansas City to become quite the rivalry. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, the the Heartlander yeah, yeah. fans uh, uh, would enjoy winning that game, I would imagine. Yeah, and the thing about Kansas City this year is that they, they still have a few of those guys that became sort of the least favorite of the of the of the bunch but i think the other thing is that kansas city this year right now they're averaging some of the fewest penalty minutes per game in the league dave so they're not exactly they have three fighting majors the heartlanders have four they're not exactly this um you know goon squad like they were last year and as a result they're very skilled on paper i think it's going to be a little bit of a different kind of feel it could be edgy but I don't know, like last year, there were three or four guys on Kansas City that are no longer there that became sort of public enemy one, two, three, and four because it was it felt like they were taking liberties. But those kind of guys aren't, aren't on the roster this year for Kansas City. So I'm curious to see how the season series will be. And hopefully it's a lot tamer because those games against Kansas City at the start of the year injured a lot of Heartlanders players and then led to minor suspensions for Kansas City that they would be back in two games. And in some cases, Heartlanders players were missing for months. So I think that, you know, hopefully it's a little bit tamer. You don't want to see guys get hurt um, and suspendable hits and dirty plays. So I'm hoping it's not as, I'm hoping it's edgy, but I'm not hoping for ridiculousness, if that makes sense. Yeah. So uh, there's no games for at least a week. When is the next home game? Yeah. The next home games on Sunday, November 20th, Heartlanders are going to be wearing SpongeBob jerseys. I can't wait to see that against Kalamazoo on Sunday, November 20th. Then they are uh, on the road for the week to Thanksgiving week. And then they come, but they do come back on, on uh, two days after Black Friday on November 26th. That's military appreciation night with a uh, camo stress ball giveaway. And then they have a post-game skate on November 27th against Cincinnati as well. So there's going to be some good games at Extreme Arena. Um, Iowa's got four home games left this month, and then they're back in the middle of December. And at that point, Iowa will have played 20 total games by the time they're back in mid-December, so more than a quarter of the schedule, and about a third of the about a third of the schedule done, or you know, a little bit less than a third of the schedule done. And I think at that point, um, you're going to be looking at a scenario, Dave, where Iowa's going to have played 13 road games and seven home games. So it's not like it's that big of a differential, but it's a pretty sizable differential where. 
you're going to be, you know, you're going to be, you know, in position to kind of rest up and play at home more. And then basically at the end of the month of December, I know I'm looking way ahead here um, from basically the, well, let me say it this way from the beginning of December through the, through the beginning of February. So those two months, Iowa plays series against every one of their opponents. So they play two against Trois-Rivières, three straight against Newfoundland, three straight against Kalamazoo, four straight against Kansas City, four in a row against Indy, two in a row against Kansas City, two, three in a row against Toledo. I can keep going on to get the point. All these are series where they're going to have a lot more time to prepare. It's, I think it's actually a big advantage for the Heartlanders that they're playing a lot of these teams for the first time and they're getting so many first looks because they're young at this point and they're going to know how to how to approach these squads. Well, uh, it sounds like it's going to be exciting. What was it like at, uh, at the Extreme Arena when that uh, last uh, whistle blew, the game was over, and we had this massive win? <laughs> relief. For me, it was relief because – Again, Fort Wayne took a one nothing lead, and it was like, okay, like what's going to be the outcome? And then Iowa gets seven of the next eight. And the other thing, Dave, I think it was relief from the players, but just happiness because they're putting their they're putting their heart into this every day. You know, they're on the ice practicing for multiple hours a day and trying to make sure they're prepared and they're going through video sessions. And these are the kind of things that a professional athlete does on a day to day basis to make sure that their their bodies are ready and to get rewarded in such not stunning fashion, but in such a sizable fashion, because it's a big win. You're you win seven to two, um, you know, a lot of goals, a lot of guys can, can improve their, you know, continue to improve and feel confidence. So I think that's some of the biggest parts of, of the game from the Hartlanders perspective is it's like, not only did they win, but they, they crushed Fort Wayne, a team they're going to see six more times this year. And you can start moving and guys can start moving in the positive direction, knowing their games are going well. <laughs> Yeah, so, well, uh, uh, it's been a, a great time talking to you. Next November 20th, you say? It's a Sunday, right? Sunday, November 20th against the Kalamazoo Wings. Nice early 205 puck drop. I can't wait for it because let me tell you something, dude. 205 puck drop, you're out of the arena. If, even if you're, so you're out of the arena, if you're a fan, by 420, 430, um, you go home, have dinner. And then if you're a player, um, same thing. You're out about an hour later. And then if you're in the front office, um, I, I'm able to sit at home and watch some Sunday night football. Uh, and maybe at some point that my New York jets will be flexed to the Sunday night game in the second half of the year, because I was getting, I was getting minute by minute updates this past Sunday when the jets were in their biggest win in more than a decade, I'd say against the Buffalo bills. So it's a fun thing for everyone. You come to the game, you're home, you know, you're, you're not home too late. You're home by dinner time, can enjoy a nice dinner and then get ready for work on Monday. So big fan of the Sunday early starts at two Oh five. That's the best uh, uh, time for me to come because it's when I can bring my 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 uh, family and I think I took my grandson to the last SpongeBob game and he liked that a lot and I I I think I could uh, get up there and uh, hopefully we'll we'll see you and uh, congratulations on your first win I hope it's one of, of many more I think it I, I think there was kind of a lot of stress on the team that uh, uh, that that camel's back has been broke and we are. Off on a big winning streak, I'm hoping. I can't wait. And, you know, these are winnable games this weekend. Every game's a winnable game, obviously. You can, you can be trite, but I think that, you know, the team feels a lot of confidence coming out, and now you have a good week of practice. You keep building on things. We'll be ready to go and win hopefully another one on uh, Friday in Kansas City. And, Dave, thanks again as always. I always really appreciate, uh, you know, chatting and stuff like that. And 
we have a fun little 30, 35 minute conversation. So thanks for thanks for brightening my morning for a few minutes here. Well, we, we really have grown in Iowa City, Coralville and Cedar Rapids area. Uh, and uh, uh, I think that's uh, uh, because and we're getting really good numbers, uh, even better than we did last year with the uh, Heartlanders. But we got a lot like 7000 more listeners than we did then. So uh, we're, we're growing together. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for being with us and we'll talk to you next week. We'll talk to you, Dave. Thanks again.